this is a panel on the subject of celebrity pastors. Uh, I think folks know Thabiti, and you may not know Carl Truman. Thabiti and Carl had a very significant online discussion about this a few months ago, <laughs> and so we asked Carl and Thabiti to come on and uh, talk about this, but we also invited three celebrity pastors oh, to that's, uh, be a part of the panel. Uh, <laughs> CJ Mahaney, <laughs> David yes. Platt, and Matt Chandler. Yes. Um, and Link, Link, <laughs> let, let's be clear. Uh, this is <laughs> like endeavor. Just give it my and let, let's be clear. I mean, I know I exist here for you to take me out. And that's, I, I am here to die. That's well. what I am here to do. And they are able to observe me. Thank you for me serving us well, CJ. Thank you. Yeah. Well, as usual. He's, he, uh, he's a good friend. Ser- seriously, let me tell yep. you what I want to do. Um, I, I want to begin, I want to talk with, first with Carl and then with Sabidi about what we mean by celebrity pastors and, and get to the nub of the issue of what the dangers and the opportunities are. And then I want to talk pastorally about the dangers that brothers face who have an opportunity for wider influence and the dangers that we face in relation to our attitude towards brothers who have a, a wider influence. Yeah, that's good. And, and address this from a serious pastoral, I mean, we can f- poke fun and joke with one another like we already have, but I want this to serve you in that yes. regard. I also want good. you to understand some of the logic behind why we've done what we've done at Together for the Gospel, because our purposes, in fact, have not been to foster a superficial celebrity That's right. culture, but to deeply serve pastors yes, yeah. and local churches as best as we can. Well so said. let's have a word of prayer and then we'll begin. Well said. Heavenly Father, thank you for each of these, my friends, who speak your word truthfully into my heart, uh, rebuking me, encouraging me, holding up Christ before me. We pray that this conversation that we have with one another would not only be enjoyable, but it would actually serve everyone who is hearing, not only here today, but those who will listen online and at later times. We want to exalt Christ. We want to foster faithful biblical ministry. We want to beware of sins and pitfalls. And we also want to know how to honor the brothers, especially brothers that we delight in you placing in strategic positions of influence. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Carl, what is a celebrity pastor? And talk just a little bit about some of the concerns that you raised in the discussion that popped up. Uh, I think one of my major concerns is that uh, celebrity pastors have to wear these Britney Spears microphones (laughs) that's uh, vaguely ridiculous. Uh, I I think we we live in a world that the Western culture is, is celebrity culture. Now, you can argue about the, the fine points of definition there. The way though I would use the term is that we, we tend to invest peculiar power and authority in specific individuals, even outside of their own sphere of competence. Uh, Hollywood is a great example that you, you have these, these Hollywood actors who are very competent actors, but around about election time, they're pontificating on everything from global warming to the economy. They're more or less incompetent in these areas, right. but... We put this, this huge authority and, and power we invested in them. Yeah. I think that knowing that society or that our culture is, is set up to, to receive the big individual in that way places an onus on the church to be very careful in how it presents the influential figures within the church. And 
now I'd bring it back to a sort of very specific issue for me. I uh, teach at Westminster. Uh, I'm also a, a part-time pastor, but my primary call is to, is to teach men for the ministry. And one of the things that's concerned me over the last couple of years is when I ask students, you know, who's been the most influential preacher in your life? Almost never do they actually say, well, it's the man who preaches at my home church. They will mention names, some of whom are represented here today, some of whom are not. And that concerns me because here you have a detachment of the influence of the preaching of the word from the day-to-day pastoral ministry that's going on. And, and that's, that, that's one concern. A second concern would be if I ask students, you know, who do you want to be like? The aspirational model of ministry is increasingly one which is nothing like that which they're actually going to experience. Most students leaving are going to be pastoring in churches like the one I'm connected to. We're 100 people on a Sunday morning. Maybe we'll grow to 200, God willing, in the next 10 years. Who knows? But most of my students are going to go out and pastor small, unknown churches. And if they have an aspirational model of ministry that they've got to be a David Platt or a C.J. Mahaney or a Matt Chandler, that's a problem for me as, a, as, a, as an educator. That, of course, is not implying anything in the, in the motivation of those who are pastors of big churches. Right. Praise God there are big churches. Yeah. Praise God that there are men who are gifted and that he's blessed in that way. But when it becomes an aspirational model for most students, that's, that's a real problem. That's and good. it's a problem on the ground in seminaries. I wonder if it has some impact on the burnout rate. There's a very high burnout rate of students leaving seminary and going into pastoral ministry. Many of them leave within five years. Is that because they look to guys like you and they think that's what I'm going to experience? And then they they end up in a church in the middle of nowhere with 50 people who are fighting each other all the time and it's nothing like the aspirational model that they've picked up. So I would say... My two primary concerns are the detachment of the preaching ministry from pastoral influence and the creation of an unrealistic aspirational model. All of that is to say that is, that is a result of the reception of megachurch pastors in the culture. It's not necessarily a fault of the megachurch pastors themselves, though I would then counsel and say that we need to take every... Those of you who are big names and very influential need to do everything you can to make sure that you're not promoting yourself, even surreptitiously, yeah. but you're promoting Christ. I quoted Luther yesterday, who perhaps was the, the first celebrity pastor. 1521, the trade in Luther posters takes off in Europe. <laughs> he is the first celebrity. Uh, but Luther has this, when, when he returns to Wittenberg in 1522, he, he preaches this famous sermon. In it, he, he's explaining how the Reformation was successful. He says, you know, I was asleep, I was sitting in the pub, I apologize to the Baptist, but you know, I, was, <laughs> sit, I was sitting in the pub drinking beer and the word was out there doing it all. Now he's, he's making a smart aleck quip in some yeah. ways, but he's also emphasizing the fact that really it was nothing to do with me and my person. It was ultimately the word of God that did it. Mm. And uh, so my, my hope and prayer is that the very influential pastors of very large churches do everything they can to minimize themselves. Church history is not great in showing how one big pastor is succeeded by another pastor. Um, And I suppose if I can add one one last point as well, the the, the aspirational model, I think, connects to the intrusion of worldly categories of success uh, as opposed to faithful categories. 
when Paul in 1 Timothy is wrestling with the fact that he's about to pass away and the apostles are going away and he, he writes to Timothy, he doesn't say to Timothy, the way to safeguard Christian teaching and Christian behavior for the next generation is to find another 12 really charismatic guys to carry the message forward. What he says is, find yourself some ordinary guys who are respected in the church, respecting their communities. If they're married, they should have brought up their families well and they should be able to teach. There are more than a dozen guys in this country who can preach the gospel. Amen. It's disturbing the same dozen names turn up at every conference. Uh, preaching the gospel is not rocket science. If it was, Paul would have said so. He says, find ordinary guys who are reputable and respectable and faithful and can teach. And that's how the church will, will be saved for the next generation. So it probably, probably talked too Very long. Helpful, so, Bidi, you interacted with Carl some on this online. Just elaborate. Um, I, I regret engage. that. It won't happen again, I right? Think the, I think the first yeah. post started, uh, I'm writing against Carl Truman. <laughs> I should not do that. Somebody stop me. You, know? so, you offered to write my Feshrift, though. I, and, 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 that, and that offer stands. That offer stands. I, I, I agree with um, the kinds of concerns that he's expressing. I think what I was reacting to in part is, um, let's, let's begin where Carl ends. Paul says, find faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Yeah. But he also says, show double honor to men who serve well, especially those whose work is, is the ministry of the word. What, Paul is, or what Carl is not ruling out is the appropriate expression of appreciation for faithfulness, yeah, right? And, and what concerns me is the, the sort of wide, indiscriminate use of celebrity pastor. Right. Catches up in the net a lot of things and a lot of people that on inspection we wouldn't want to label in that way. So I, I think if I could just toss out two labels, I think it's important to distinguish between celebrity in the sort of pejorative way in yeah. which we talk about it, uh, a kind of being famous for being famous, yeah. Um, without the substance of accomplishment and yeah. faithfulness, um, with a, a story that's surrounding that person and cultivated and, 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 and propagated in media, um, and the fawning and adulation of, of folks over that mythology, really. I think we have to draw a, a pretty clear distinction between that phenomena and let's use the label notoriety. Because the other thing that, that Carl is not saying is that celebrity equals being publicly known. Right. It's very, yeah. been very clear in that. Yeah. And so there is a proper notoriety, yeah. whether it's in the local church context or whether it's in a wider context, um, wherein persons who have been faithful, whether it's in their writing or their preaching or, or, or just steadfastly loving their wives and their children, so on and so yeah. forth, there is a notoriety that grows up that isn't about myth-making, isn't about story-making, uh, and it isn't about sort of publicity-seeking. Right. Um, in order to sort of receive um, celebrity, that I think we want to be careful to, to sort of actually recognize, identify, ex you know, distinguish, protect, um, and, and in appropriate ways, and that's part of the discussion, in appropriate ways, um, honor. And so that's what it, that, that was sort of my interaction on that point. That's very helpful. I think it's also important to remember that certain types of media and platforms can project a kind of authority and significance that is not necessarily related to the faithfulness of the individual that's using that media or platform. We're, my, my local congregation, the services are broadcast regionally on television. I am 
mortified how often I meet people who simply because I am on television view me as someone of significance and, and yet there's no distinction between me and anybody else who is on television. It's the medium of television. Matt was talking about this uh, with regard to a major conference that he participated on in which the response to him was the same as two other folks that I might call celebrities, um, though their messages could not have been more disjointed or, or, or contrasting, and yet there was the same response to that. So I, I do think that's actually very important for us to remember. Well, uh, yeah, what, what you get, I think, in celebrity making is this connection between um, sort of a person and a narrative that develops around them, but then you're going to need media. Right. And, and we live in a day where, where media access is pretty easy. Yeah. Um, from, we're no longer talking about Time Warner Cable and, and, and the big media companies. We're talking about the guy sitting with his laptop hitting sin, hitting post, yeah. um, and, and, and the ability for that yeah. to go viral. But the other thing you're going to need in, in celebrity making um, is not just the, the, the sort of person and the story around them and the media that distributes that. Um, you're also going to need a, a celebrity conferring public. Yeah. So, so, so no, that, that, there are lots of actresses or wannabe actresses who've gone to Hollywood and want to be the next Hollywood you know, bombshell actress. Well, they're not going to be that if they're not on film. Right. Yeah. And, and they're not going to be that if the movie ticket buying public doesn't confer that status right. on them. And so there, there's a chain of responsibilities from, from the pastor or, or the personality to the folks who are writing and crafting media stories um, to a public who also needs to be discerning about how they show appreciation. I, I want to go right to Matt and to David, and I want to ask a specific question to you. As we do so, I want to say one thing about the aspirational point that Carl made that's very good. When Mark and Al and CJ and I wanted to put John Piper in front of you eight years ago, started dreaming about that leading up to 2006. It was not because he was a celebrity. It was because he had spoken the truth of God deeply into our souls. He was a faithful pastor, and God had given him, for which we praised the Lord, a wide influence of a helpful and a biblical sort in evangelicalism, yes. and we, we, we exulted in that. Yes. We did not intend to say to a brother who's pastoring a 65-member church, you're nobody, he's somebody. We wanted to encourage that brother in his faithful ministry in that 65-member church to do it with zeal exactly. and with joy, exactly. and we, we simply wanted to serve him in that. Exactly. And I know that, that that's John's heart. John, John wants to make nothing of himself yes. unless he can use yes. what God has put into his yes. hands in order to serve a larger, more important yes. service. And so I, yeah. I, I would want people to know that. Yes. The, the aspirational thing still is an issue we have to deal with, Yes. but that motivation is very important for yes. me to, to, to convey to you. Yeah. I would yeah. make a distinction. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. why I made the distinction yeah. between intention and reception. Yeah. I think knowing the proclivities mm -hmm. of yeah. the culture one has to be yeah. have more than just a good intention. Yeah. One also has to yeah, take steps. Absolutely. To be, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm saying that we can have all correct. the best intentions and still mess up yeah. there. Yes, but, but I mean, yeah. the conference the conference exists to dissuade people from aspiring to a celebrity yeah. pastor. The conference yeah. exists to honor ordinary pastors. Yeah. 
as doing the most important and difficult work. That, yeah. that's, that's why this conference CJ. exists. David and Matt, we, I mean, we, we both look, uh, we all look with um, gratitude to God and appreciation for not only your gifts and for your local ministries, but for the way the Lord has allowed you to speak to a lot of people that we could never speak to. Uh, David, when, you know, when I hear 55,000 people listening to you preach on the atonement, it just gives my soul joy. But I know that you have to do things to protect your own heart in that. Talk to us about what you do. And I'm going to ask Matt the same question. What do you do to protect your heart in that kind of a situation? To be perfectly honest, this whole conversation is really frightening, uh, personally. Um, I I feel like um, this conversation just brings to the fore a, a poison that is just put before my own soul on a on us in a, in a scary way. Uh, John, John 3.30, he must become greater, I must become less. Like, I really believe, I think in my heart, I want, I want Christ to become greater. Yeah. But I am tempted at every turn. And this was before anybody was listening to me, for that matter. Uh, but even more so, I'm tempted to turn that around and say, he must become greater. And I, I wouldn't mind becoming greater in the process too, as opposed to he must become yeah. greater, I must become yeah. less. Yeah. And the culture that Carl is talking yeah. about seems to war against that at every turn, which means I've got a war all the more. Well so said. pride mm-hmm. uh, has always been a problem for me since I was born. Um, so that battle, it just becomes, I, I guess, all the more intense, more tempted to put confidence in yourself, more tempted to seek glory for yourself. And I just, I want to, I want to fight it and be a very, and I think there, it does involve an intentional fight, an intentional battle, because I want to be, I want it to be shown on the, on the day when it's done and it's over that yeah. all of this was for yeah. your, that you yeah. might become greater and I might become yeah. less. That's what I'm praying toward. Yeah. I want to fight toward that end, but it's, it's a fight. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say the same thing. And, and then on top of that, put because of the cultural piece, it, it really feels like you're, like for me, I just feel like I'm fighting a beast that just simply won't die. Because th- there's steps I want to take even at the village that show, hey, I don't believe I'm a celebrity. I, yeah. I, and so look, here's the position I'm in. If I, if I start to say, this is what I do to try to battle that, what happens? Oh, and, and then oh, look how awesome he is. He, he does that and he does this and he does that. And so it's almost as if the, the, there's not a lot I can do to fight the wave of that. And, and then to be, to be frank, if, if anyone were to tell me there's not a part of their soul that enjoys that, I would probably call them a liar yeah. to their face. I'd be yeah. like, you're a liar. There's just yeah. no way you could convince me that there's not a part of you that you don't have to try to choke and push back down and go, no, this, that's not for you. Don't touch that. Yeah. And, and so I, I feel like what, what I'm worried about in my own life is, is not that this week I'm all of a sudden going to go, well, I'm Matt Chandler, dadgummit. I, I, what I feel like is <laughs> that um, over the next 15 years, yeah. because what happens, and I don't know if this happens to you, David, but, but people get in my ear. Oh, yeah. like, like people get in my ear and go, why, why are you doing that? Yeah. What? You know what they they should be doing this for you. What why what what do you get paid? What do you and so people get in my ear and people who love the Lord and and come off like they love me are in my ear and I and so my fear is not that I, I'm I'm gonna 
you know, oh, the book's out. You know, now I'm an author, so you should. I'm not afraid of that. What I'm afraid of is over the course of the next 10 to yeah. 12 years yeah. just drifting. And so I've, I've tried yeah. to build some, some defenses against that, and it's really helpful that I'm in ministry with guys who knew me before there was a Matt Chandler. Yeah. And my, I think my wife is impressed with me as a husband and as a man of God. I, 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 she does not, oh, I'm so lucky to be married to Matt. I mean, I just don't, I, I don't know that that's, and maybe she would say she's grateful to be married to Matt, but th- th- there's no, let me say this, there's no celebrity culture at home. Yeah, yes, good. Well said. Yep. CJ, yep. this presents a challenge for brothers that are in those ministries that don't have people coming in with uh, television cameras wanting to do interviews. Do you have counsel for our souls when, when the Lord's called us to Ettrick, not to Edinburgh or London <laughs> or New York, or you know, we're, we're, in a, we're, our, we're in our small congregation, How, what our attitude towards our brothers who are faithful, who have been given a large platform, yes. what, what yeah. talk to us? Well, I think what's helpful is just to recognize there, there are temptations in the heart of someone who's known and there are temptations in the heart of someone who is not known. And there are also temptations and tendencies among every congregation. So you've got got congregational temptations and tendencies to, I think, assign exaggerated significance to someone in pastoral ministry. So I I think the Corinthian problem exists, uh, that temptation and tendency in in every church. So I think a, a pastor has to be aware of that has to teach into that. Um, And yes, then a pastor has to study his own soul. So if you have come to this conference and you are struggling in relation to the numerical size of your church, I I don't have any unique counsel for you. Uh, It it is simply uh, pride being revealed in your heart and a process of identifying that and weakening that, but also uh, cultivating a, an appreciation for men who yes. uh, are pastoring yeah. larger churches or do have more influence. I, I, I don't think it's wise simply just to become preoccupied with the prideful tendencies of my heart. One of the ways I weaken pride in my life is to celebrate the grace yes. of God yes. in other people. Yes. So I, I would say to someone who is um, struggling with the miracle size of their church to, to be aggressive in privately and publicly expressing appreciation uh, for others who are apparently more influential. That's very helpful. Carl? I was going to make a comment about something that a, a conference like this could do. I, having been an administrator at a seminary, I understand how money works. I understand the need to raise money. I look at this stadium and I think, you know, if you're going to you're going to get a couple of us OPC guys in here to headline. You're not going to fill this stadium. Um, I am pleased to see that the OPC is into pest control up there, though. You put up my poster. Uh, but it, it, it might be yeah, pest control since 1972. That's what we've been, been doing in the OPC. Uh, uh, I think it, it, it... Would it be impossible to have, out of nine speakers, have two guys that nobody's ever heard of? Okay, I'm one. To, to, come, <laughs> to come and speak. Yeah. Guys from churches of 100, 150, 200. There are good preachers out there in churches that size. Good preachers. Is it possible to have a couple of slots 
in the plenary sessions devoted to guys like that so that the message is sent out that, yeah, we, we don't just, if you like, patronize ordinary pastors by talking about them, we give them platform space as well. That's a good idea. And there are different aspirational models of ministry out there. By the way, we, yes. we welcome all your recommendations. Were, were, you, were you reluctant to come to the conference? You know I was. I said, I said no when I was invited. What, what happened was, <laughs> this, is a, this is a truly pathetic story. <laughs> Mark Dever, I think it was Mark, wrote and asked me if I would do a breakout session. I said no. I, I mean, gone on record about celebrity pastor stuff. I, I can't go to a celebrity pastor's conference and speak. Um, so they, uh, they put the guy who cries onto me. And, uh, <laughs> It, 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 it kind of ruins my image as a hard-nosed OPC guy, but it, but it, it melted my heart, brothers. So. We're glad it did. Yeah. We're glad well, it did, Carl. I didn't just cry, I challenged you. <laughs> kind of you to come. So, what's your experience been? Do, do you I, I think we are... I fly below the radar. I, 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 I right? try to keep in the background, but... What have you I, seen from the background? What I, what I really enjoyed was it's great to be with brothers and sisters that I wouldn't normally rub shoulders with uh, from all different denominations. And uh, anybody who came to my session yesterday will know I'm a big believer in denominations because they indicate that somebody somewhere believes something. But I've appreciated the fellowship. I, it's been great to be with so many brothers and sisters. I, I, you know, I, I don't get this opportunity ever, really. So I, I very much, very much enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a... I, I, my wife said to me on Sunday, are you looking forward to going? And I said, no, but it'll give me something to write about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have actually, I have to concede, quite enjoyed myself here. Good, good, good. We're glad. <laughs> Friends, thank you for being with us here. We, we do want to serve you. Yeah. We do want to encourage you. John Piper at lunch today was, was saying what an encouragement David and Matt and Kevin are to us, to see the trust that God yep. has already given yep. you. Uh, we also see the humility and the willingness to fight against a, a misuse of what the Lord has entrusted to you, but it's very encouraging to us. But the ministry of the local church yes. is, is, is it's the great concern of mm. our hearts. That's right. All of us. Yes. And you, you hear that every time Mark quotes that John Brown quote. Yes. My, my heart is moved. And that, that's where every single one of us are. And so I want you to know it's not just something we're saying. It's not just something that CJ says because he does emphasize it every time he gets the opportunity. We really do care about faithful local church pastors. Mm -hmm. We're here to encourage you. Thank you yes. for being here. Yep. Enjoy your break. Yep. We'll see yep. you back tonight. Yep.